to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer a heretic. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and for the next hour, I'll be your Sherpa to nowhere in particular. Nowhere in particular. Welcome back, all you hellbound heathens. I uh, hope you enjoyed episode two. I hope you uh, enjoyed listening to a narcissist like me ramble on for about an hour and telling you all about myself because I'm so goddamn important. No, I'm really not, but I think it's, it's I think it's important to um, to know my story if you're going to listen to this show to know that I'm not really a bad guy. I'm not. I, I might be an apostate. You can call me a heretic if you want, but I just want to humanize myself and, and just tell you how I, I use these terms uh, with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. So if you're really calling me a heretic and apostate, that's that's fine, I guess. You got to do you, but I, I don't take offense to that because I'm really just a friendly guy. But yeah, I hope my story was interesting, at least. I hope it resonated with some folks. If you're going through deconstruction, um, I, I hope it's just another voice where you can say, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not doing this whole thing uh, by myself. I'm not a crazy person. I haven't lost my fucking mind. And uh, always good to know that you haven't lost your fucking mind. Only maybe just a little bit. You know, lose your mind a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> just not fully. Um, but uh, yeah, let's get into it uh, today on episode three. Um, I, I gotta admit, I did lie. I, I lied to you fine people already out of the gate. In episode one, I said I wouldn't be talking about QAnon any longer. I said I was done with it. Um, but I I lied, and I want to make a mention of it just a little bit. Maybe the first 15 minutes of this episode. Maybe the first 15 minutes. And then we'll get into the meat of what I want to talk about today. But I, I wanted to talk about QAnon just a little bit longer because I wanted to give, uh, well, if she answers the phone, I'm going to give my friend Michelle a call and see if we can't get to the psychology behind conspiracy theories like QAnon and cult-like behavior like, like QAnon and why people fall for it, why people dive deep into stuff like this. Um, because I think we both would agree that that it solves or at least attempts to solve some sort of basic and deep-seated human need. So uh, bear with me. We're going to call Michelle Collins right now. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm good. You're on a podcast right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what kind of heretic. podcast? It's not the Heretic Happy Hour. Oh, great. I'm not a heretic today. How exciting. No, you're an apostate. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm going downhill quick. <laughs> yes, yes. The slippery slope is true. All the Christians have been warning about this, and here we are proving them correct. Well, for sure. <laughs> so what's up? Well, so on, on the first episode of this uh, shitty show... Um, I talked about QAnon. Oh boy. And I know, right? <laughs> um, you had me at Q. 
You had uh, me at Q. <laughs> I'm going I'm to make a t-shirt that says that. Uh, um. <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> you would? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, okay. I'm going to see if that's true. Um, <laughs> but so, so I talked about it and I, and I made the bold statement that I think Q... I made a lot of bold statements, as I want to do. <laughs> of course um, you are. <laughs> um, that, that Q is a cult, or QAnon is a cult, or resembles a cult. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and, and that and conspiracies like it fulfill a human need to like have this sort of secret knowledge and be a part of some sort of tribe that everyone else is not a part of. Right. And so I wanted to maybe get your thoughts on the psychology behind that since you are working on your doctorate in that sort of psycho bullshit realm. Um, <laughs> just playing. But you like, to, you like to dabble in psychology, so... Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, boy. That's a big question. Yeah, I do. I'm, I agree with you. I think people have a desire to belong. And you're right. We're very tribal by nature. And so we're looking for those like qualities in other people. And I do think it makes us feel good to think that we have the inside knowledge over other people. Um, to be a part of something that's, you know, maybe greater than ourselves. And so, yeah, I have a tendency to believe that that is a big part of the QAnon experience going on at the moment. Um, I also think that, especially in the Christian realm, we've been well conditioned uh, to accept conspiracy theory and to look for things like that that are hidden. And we have this need to watch that play out somehow. It, it, It builds our faith, so to speak. Why why is it in the Christian realm do you think that we do this? I don't know. Well, look back at the look back at the history of what you were, what you learned in Christianity as it pertains as it pertains to eschatology. Um most of us were taught that at some point a world leader would hit the stage and that Obama. He, yeah yeah that's who it was for sure. <laughs> um but that that they would you know bring in about this this peace treaty that there would be all of these years of violence and that the believers would be taken away and depending on your belief system you know it's pre mid or post trib um so we've had this kind of back back of the mind conspiracy happening for most of our christian lifestyle we've we've sat around and decided as we watched the news that oh that may fit this prophecy and that may fit this prophecy so it's not a far leap to assume that people need that on some level, it makes them feel a part of this bigger thing. And so, as I said, they've been conditioned. So it's not a far leap for them to take stuff that comes out from whatever this Q source is and say, oh, this must be it. This must be the beginning of the end. Um, I, I will tell you this. I'm, I'm highly amused in an ironic way that just recently something happened with our current president brokering some kind of peace and yet he's the chosen one because I thought that was antichrist behavior based on what I knew. Have you seen the meme about like the narrative that these Christians believe about how Trump fits that narrative? And like he is the one who is as antichrist as you could get in that story if you believe that story. Mm-hmm. He's exactly. the one who like dupes a group of Christians. He, he doesn't care anything about Christianity, yet the, the so-called like elected Christians um, the ones who are really following Jesus with their Bibles are, are the ones who are duped by him. Right. And, and, and it is a twist of irony, isn't it? Oh, it's very much ir- irony. And, and that's, and, but again, this is amazing to me that people that have lived with this belief system for pretty much their, for most of them, their entire lives, depending on when they became Christian, 
how do they not see that? How do they not recognize that they themselves are looking at someone in that way that could very well fit that mold, so to speak? And yet it doesn't occur to them. He is somehow this brilliant man who's saving us. And then if you go, of course, with the QAnon stuff, you have all the pedophilia and, you know, the child sex trafficking and all of that, that apparently he's going to shut down. So, right. It- <laughs> and, 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 I, and I don't know much behind that of why they think he is the one who does that because he's as, involved, <laughs> he's as involved in these people who are getting busted for pedophilia, like the Epstein's and his girlfriend. Right. But he's apparently good. And the Clintons who are tight with Epstein are bad. Right, I don't. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> That's a good question. I wish I understood the mentality of that as well, because it doesn't make sense on the surface level. When you can see the association and you demonize it on one hand and then say that this is the call of God on the other hand, that's some serious cognitive dissonance going on. Um, you, you really have to do some mental gymnastics to arrive at those conclusions. Yeah, it, it's it's also very strange. I um, Something I pointed out in the first episode is I'm surprised how many people I know are buying into it, people in my own family right. and, and people who might even be listening to this podcast. Um, I, I kind of thought it was a fringe thing. And I thought maybe <laughs> cor- maybe coronavirus and us being locked into our houses for so long. Um, everyone well, just like went, went mental. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we all need something to do. So why not this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't I, I don't. Um, where do you where do you see it going from here? Do you see it blowing up? Do you see because um, a fascinating thing about this whole thing is that everything that points against QAnon is also part of the clues. So yeah. do you see people <laughs> just going deeper and deeper? And, and how do you see this phasing out? Or do you just not know? Well, I don't know. Have you have you had a conversation in either written form or, you know, face to face with people that believe this? Um, not an actual conversation. I've watched a lot of videos and I've seen a lot of posts from people Mm -hmm. I know and even people who are in my family. Well, it's amazing because almost anything that you say to refute what they're thinking somehow plays into the delusion. Um, there's, there's nothing you can say that convinces them. Otherwise you're actually a part of everything that's happening. Um, you've, you, you're a sheep, you've bought into the narrative. Um, and I just don't know that there's reasoning with that. I think you have to let that play out and show the falsity of it through time, which of course is dangerous because people do stupid things when they're believing stupid things. Um, and, and again, that's just my opinion. I know that'll piss somebody off, but the reality is I think it, it, it has already reached a much more serious level than what anybody ever thought it would be. I mean, we now have politicians that have been elected into office that are card carrying QAnon believers. Right. Um, we also have, I read an article not too long ago, um, the occurrence of QAnon churches, if you will, and I'm using air quotes there. Um, but basically, the, the, the gospel is not being preached, but the prophecies of Q are being preached as it pertains to the politics and the news of our day. Um, so I feel like it's already a much bigger problem than anybody thought it would be. And I truly do believe it started as a joke. You think someone started as like a troll? Like the, yeah, the, the, original, the original Q on 4chan, you think it was a troll? I think so, yeah. Well, and what's scary, what's scary is, is I was listening to a lady and I mentioned this um, on the, on the episode, uh, I was listening to a reporter, a journalist for the Atlantic saying she was talking to Q um, adherents and she asked them if it, if he came out as Q and said that this whole thing was a joke, it was the whole thing was a hoax, a troll, they would still believe it because they're like, oh, it goes beyond this person. Exactly. Q, yeah. I, this, I, I, yeah. 
I have no doubt of that. I do believe it's reached that point where, again, if somebody came out and said, hey, I'm Q, I started all this, they wouldn't believe him, first of all, right. um, that he was the actual Q. And they would discount anything that they said as, again, another one of the people that's bought into the narrative, another part of the problem, the elite, whoever they are, that are trying to keep, you know, that are trying to bring about all of this stuff. And yet when you ask who the elite are, nobody can give you any names other than the Clintons and the Obamas, which is hilarious to me because neither of them carry any power anymore. So I I don't understand the mentality behind all this. But then again, most cultish behavior doesn't have a whole lot of um, understanding to it after a while. So I think think it's gone further than anybody thought it would. And I think we're not done with it yet. I think it's going to get a little more serious. So. Yeah, I I think you're right. Sadly, I think you're right. And sadly, I think you're right that people will do harm to other people in the name of this. And it's already happened. There was the guy who shot up that pizza joint in D.C. I think he just got like four years or something. Mm -hmm. Um, People are going to. I wonder what's going to happen if Trump doesn't get reelected. What they're going to say about that, because I think his reelection is kind of needed for his revealing himself as like this messianic figure, right? Right. Well, yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm somewhat concerned if he does not get reelected as to what will happen in our country, not just from QAnon, but basically a lot of different groups um, and a lot of people that are, you know, violently opposed to anything other than him being reelected. Um, so that makes me concerned. But yeah, you're right. His, res- his uh, reelection is vital to the continued prophecy of Q, if you will. And, and if, if that fails to happen, then possibly you'll see it die out. I would hope so. Otherwise what we're going to hear, and this is always the case when we're dealing with any kind of, uh, conspiracy theory or anything like that is, um, we're going to hear that, well, the evil forces or whatever name we want to give it have succeeded in blocking it. It's Mm -hmm. not that it wasn't real because we don't want to, we don't ever want to admit that we were fooled or that we bought into something that was false in other, Otherwise, it has to be something outside of our control. So apparently the evil forces have, per- have prevailed in this situation. But only only in the battle, not in the war. Exactly. Because they'll just, they'll just, uh, they'll just crunch the numbers. They'll re-crunch the numbers like yes. we've been doing with the end times oh, um, yeah. prophecies and all the dates. 88 reasons in 88. 88 89 right. reasons in 89. Oh, That's we just, right. I, got, I just did the numbers wrong. And they'll just That's kick right. the can down. To, yes, it's- <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying when we've been conditioned. When we as Christians have been conditioned, it's because things like that have been going on for so long. We've bought into all of that. We've bought into, well, it has to be this year. It has to be, oh, well, it wasn't this year. Somebody made a mistake in the numerology, so it's next year or it's whenever. And every time a deadline passes and it doesn't happen, you're right. They kick the can down the road a little further, but it doesn't stop them from believing it. Yeah. And it's just something else or God stayed his hand. Um, you know, he's giving us more time. He's being lenient or gracious, but it will never be that, oh, we fucked it up. We, we've got it wrong. And you won't hear that very often. Um, sorry if I'm profane, it's but <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to admit when you're wrong. Well, it is. And, 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 and when you're, when you're in this sort of cult like this, um, you kind of wrap your whole identity around, around this yeah. thing. So if yeah. it's, if that's stripped away, it's just like Christianity or fundamentalism, any sorts. This is just on a spectrum, on an extreme spectrum of fundamentalism. Right. And you kind of you kind of lose your uh, you get into an existential crisis. 
Well, yeah. And again, this is where cognitive dissonance will jump back in because you're going to go through the mental gymnastics in order to avoid having to recognize that you're wrong or that you, you know, that it'll cause you pain in some, in some way if you're wrong. Um, it's the same thing when we're talking about people deciding whether they believe in God anymore, you know, they're deconstructing or they're questioning. It's the same mental gymnastics that go on there. Um, and it's frustrating. It's emotional. It's difficult. Um, so in this case, it's just much easier to deny. Denial is easier. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. I'll give them that, but it is interesting. It. <laughs> it is interesting. It is fascinating. Let me, um, before we wrap up, let me ask you one question. Okay. Are you, I'm not going to ask you who you want to win the election, <laughs> are, but, but a more interesting question. Are you more worried about if Trump wins on what the reaction will be to Trump winning or if Biden wins on the reaction that you get from the other side, if Biden, you know, the other side? Uh, I, I'm sure I'm going to piss a lot of people off with this. Um, I'm more, I'm more worried about what will happen if he loses. If Trump uh, I, loses? Yes. Honestly, I'm much more concerned with that scenario than is, than I am if he wins. Um, I, I realize that there are people on both sides of the aisle or the progressive conservative aisle, if you will, that adhere to violent outbursts and whatnot. And there are people that do not. Um, hands down, I think what we've seen in the past is that more, again, people will argue with me on this, but the more conservative side being more prone to violence. And so, yeah, I'm very concerned if he loses. And I've been saying that for a couple months now. So it, it's just getting closer and I'm getting more nervous about it. So. I think I'm equally terrified about both situations. <laughs> oh, well, sure. I mean, I mean, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. I, I, politics in our country have become such a hotbed of corruption and ridiculous shit. You know, I, I don't think anybody's actually for the people anymore. They're for themselves and being reelected. Um, and it's that's frustrating to me. You know, I heard something today. I was in a conversation today in which we were talking about the, the wildfires there in California. And, um, that apparently, uh, and I have not seen this, so this may be hearsay, but apparently that our president said he didn't want to provide any kind of monetary aid to that, um, because he doesn't like the governor of California. And I said, well, that's just ridiculous. He's the president of the United States. He's the president of all the people. Every one of us matter. And it shouldn't be partisan like that as, as it pertains to the health and safety of the citizens of your country. And so, yeah, it's, it's a nasty scenario either way we go. And so I'm, I'm fully on board with that. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. So it's, it's a wild ride for sure. Yes, it is. Well, I guess it's been nice knowing you, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you don't get rid of me that easy. <laughs> no, no, we will live on. We will figure yeah. out a way to, uh, to get through it, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. Well, um, thank you. Um, thank yeah. you for taking my call, Michelle. Yes, I'll, always. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you around, clown. All righty. Later, Gator. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was that was the one and only Michelle Collins. I, I will say, um, please be on the lookout for her book that's coming out. Uh, I don't think there's a date yet, but it's going to be coming out on Choir Publishing, I believe. And it is called Into the Gray. And I wrote the foreword to it. And so don't judge the book by that. Like move past that. And then it gets better from there. So <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be her first book. And then her second book will be with yours truly called Learning to Float. And that is currently being edited and reworked. 
like a beautiful, beautiful sculpture. Hopefully. So, yes, thank you to Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, thank you for getting into the the mentality of why people are buying into the bullshit that is QAnon. And God, you know what? I, I was thinking, I was like, what if this shit turns out true? I'm going to look like such a fucking idiot um, shitting on these people. <laughs> this this podcast is only going to last like a, a couple weeks if it comes out true. Everyone's going to look at it and go, well, Matt's a fucking idiot. Turns out these uh, these QAnon folks were uh, had their finger on the pulse the whole time. And uh, Matt's just a dipshit, so we don't need to listen to his dumbass anymore. But um, I'm hoping that's not true. I'm hoping Tom Hanks ain't a, ain't a crazy blood-drinking child molester. Because I uh, kind of like some of his movies. And I think it would suck if you couldn't watch Wilson any longer. <laughs> if he was fucking Wilson on that island. Um, no, that's disgusting. Uh, better cut that out. Anyway, today I am going to... Uh, get into something that's been on my mind and it's this whole business kind of it kind of ties into the theme of the show on why I'm an apostate because I I think it's healthier at least for me to not have to feel as if I have anything to defend necessarily and like I don't want to take on any creedal statements any longer I'd rather not take on any labels, and I know apostate's a label, but of course we're taking it on tongue-in-cheek, and we're taking it on kind of ironically. I Like, I don't give a shit what you call me, and I don't give a shit what, you, what I call myself. Uh, in some circles, I guess I could become a Christian, depending on what that means. In some circles, I guess I could be a heretic, depending on what that means. Um, there was this uh, wonderfully confusing philosopher named Jacques Derrida, who coined the term deconstruction and before it meant what it currently means today in terms of like questioning your faith and losing it and then finding it and blah, blah, blah. Like we all kind of do. Um, it kind of, it kind of meant like we need to really define our terms and we need to have a unity of text as it were. We need to, to make sure that when we say the words that we're saying that we're talking about the same damn thing. And so that that plays into a lot of things so that we don't talk past each other. So we don't talk over one another. So I, I, I hate using the term Christian. I hate even using the term Jesus follower because a lot of people are saying, saying this phrase, Jesus follower, rather than Christian. But what they mean is they're, I mean, they're following a Jesus that I don't think existed. Because even that needs to be deconstructed. Whose Jesus are we talking about? Are are we talking about Mark Driscoll's Jesus? Are we talking about the Westboro Baptist Church's Jesus? Are we talking about any any brand of fundamentalist's Jesus? Um, are we talking about the Jesus that that thinks Trump's presidency is like spot on? Um, are we talking about kind of a pie in the sky Jesus? I mean, what are we talking about? And even these creedal statements. What are we talking about? Because that, that's kind of like the historical uh, measuring stick of how we 
define oneself as a Christian or not. You take on the Apostles' Creed. You take on the Nicene Creed. And I even stated outright in my book, All Set Free, that I affirm the Nicene Creed. Because at that time, I was kind of sick of being called a heretic, being called this and that, because I was a universalist. And I was going to the point where it's like, I can affirm these creeds and be a universalist, and there's there's nothing in them that contradicts that. And I, I still believe that. I mean, you can affirm the Nicene Creed and be a universalist. I mean, for goodness sake, uh, Gregory of Nyssa was one of the final editors of the Nicene Creed, and he was an out-and-out universalist, and it was never a fucking problem. Uh, it's only a problem to people these days. For some reason, I think it's because people don't fucking know their history. In our churches, we don't we don't teach history of Christian doctrine. We don't teach the development of Christian theology. We teach sound biblical truths, brother. You got to read your Bible. That's all you got to do. And it's like, well, geez, Bible is, uh, if you think the Bible's clear, you just might be an idiot. Um, it's not clear. And that's why we have so many denominations. And that's why we have so many interpretations. It's because it's anything but clear. But, well, I mean, I just, I'm to the place in my life where I would rather just do what I want to do and live my life and be a human being. And, and let people take on whatever statements of faith they want to take on, as long as they don't make me do that in order to be in their tribe. I want to be in the no tribe tribe. Or the tribe who is tolerant of other tribes. I think it's quite arrogant to say that my way of interpreting the universe within my faith tradition, whatever that tradition may be, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Sikh, Buddhist, whatever, is the, is the only truth, the only approach, rather than seeing truths in all the faith traditions, rather than seeing that all faith traditions and no faith traditions can have something to offer, can be salvific in a way, can help humanity progress and live more peace, peacefully with each other. I think it's arrogant to say my way or the highway in any sort of form. And that takes on more overt forms. That takes on more subtle forms. You know, I, I always joke around that I, I, I've been becoming a Buddhist for a long time. But I'm not even that. Like, I don't practice Buddhism the way Buddhists do. I just think that some of the Buddhist teachings can help me here and now. They're very practical. They're very practical in, in centering me and grounding me in the present moment, in focusing on my breath, in not labeling thoughts good or bad, just allowing thoughts to be what they are in their moment and where they come and go, it's whatever. But I wouldn't say I'm a Buddhist over a Christian. I would just say that I'm gleaning truths from both. There's things I don't like about Buddhism. I don't think it's all that helpful, for instance, to reject all desire or to try to get rid of all desire, which is what some of Buddhism teaches. I, I think desire can be good. I think desire is human. I think desire is just something that is. The bigger question for me is what do we desire and how do we desire? And who are we taking on as a model of our desire? As, as a Girardian, 
as one who has studied and studies mimetic theory, desire is simply human. And yes, of course, the Buddhists are correct that desire can lead to problems. Desire can feed the ego. Desire leads to violence. A mimetic theorist knows this. However, if we can take on those like Jesus or even the Buddha who aren't going to get into rivalrous desires or rivalrous situations and desire what each other desires, then desire can be fine. Desire can be great. I have a desire for food, for good food. That's not bad. I have a desire for sex. That's not bad. Generally, it's pretty good, or so my wife tells me. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, it, as Richard Rohr would say, everything belongs, and desire is one of those things. So, the, there, there's freedom in this, uh, in this newfound apostasy. And eventually I'll end up in hell, but for now, there's freedom in that. I feel free. I feel free to look at Buddhism and glean what seems to work for me and my life. And I can look at um, Islam. I can read Rumi. I can read Muhayyadeen. I can say, oh, that shit makes sense. I like that. That helps me right now. That helps me be more at peace. That helps me be more compassionate. That helps me be more per more merciful. I don't need to, to read the, Quran, the entire Quran. Just like I don't need to read the entire Bible anymore. I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. I, I read some bits and pieces uh, for my lectionary series that I do on my blog. But as far as like sitting down and reading the Bible, I, I, I've read it so many times and I've read so many commentaries on it. I feel like I don't need to read that right now. There are very helpful things in there. There are very encouraging things in there. For me, there's a, there's a bunch of shit too. And that's that's okay. That's okay. But but I don't need to adhere to anything that is based on any text or any sort of group's statement of faith. I think it only divides. I mean, look at history. They could have had the best of intentions when they had the, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. They could have had the best of intentions. And they probably did. I'll give, I'll give most human beings the benefit of the doubt and, and think that most people aren't shitheads trying to manipulate and trying to, you know, pull the wool over someone's eyes. I think they had the best of intentions, but then look what happens. The creeds get expanded. You go into the 4th, 5th, 6th century. There's more and more things you have to believe. There's more and more fucking things you have to affirm. You got to start believing in eternal torment. You got to start believing in this. You got to start believing in that. And then look what happens. Those things that are in our confessions of faith then get used to justify like being pretty much pieces of shit towards each other in the name of Jesus, the glorious name of Jesus. We're beheading people. We're going on crusades. We're burning motherfuckers at the stake. And you're probably mad that I said motherfuckers. More mad than you'd be that people burnt other people literally at the stake because they didn't affirm this. They didn't affirm that. You get all the way to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Look how long that fucking document is. You got to believe all this crazy shit in order to be in our tribe. And if you're not in our tribe, then you get, you know, cunts like Calvin who are 
you know, killing Servetus or having Servetus killed. You know, we're using all these things. Look at look at um, even the Protestants. The Protestants who were persecuted by Catholics within 10 years, 10 years of Protestantism being a thing, kill their first Anabaptist. That is crazy. You go from you go from persecuted to persecutor within a decade. Because you got to be on our team. You got to affirm this. You can't affirm that. You got to deny this. You can't deny that. And we create all these boundaries. We create all these like states, city states, <laughs> whatever the case may be. And we say, if you're in these walls, you're good. If you're outside of these walls, you're bad. You're a heathen. You're a reprobate. And this is what actually, ironically, Paul was railing against in his epistles. What was the early church doing? They were saying, if the tip of your dick isn't cut, you're not in. You got to get circumcised if you're a male. If you're not eating a kosher meal, you're out. These dirty, dirty Gentiles are not eating kosher meals, they're out. James, Peter, and the Jerusalem church are making these dividing lines within the first century. In the first century, within a generation, in that same generation of Jesus. You got to keep the Sabbath. You can't sit with the Gentiles. And, and, and Paul, I think, understood this. Paul's got some problems, I'm sure, just like every human being has some problems. And Paul's writings have been distorted and used um, against other people in a very ironic way, I believe. But that's probably a topic for a different podcast. But I, Paul is railing against this because I think the disciples, many of the disciples, missed the point of what Jesus was doing. It wasn't about what religion you are. It wasn't about what markers you have. Yes, Jesus was very Jewish. He died Jewish. He was never a Christian. He was a, a Jew, 100%, through and through. Yeah, I meant for that to rhyme. But I don't think Jesus would have ever gone to any of the Gentiles and been like, well, if you're going to follow me, let's see that dick. Let's see that dick. Is it uncut? Is it uncut? You got to cut it or go. Let's see that dick. (laughs) I don't think Jesus was doing that or would have done that. But from the start, this is what we do. We start to draw dividing lines. We start to draw boundaries. And it gets more and more and more and more boundaries. And now look at how many goddamn denominations there are in the Christian church. And that's not about, it's not denominations like in a good way. It's not about like celebrating the diversity of the faith. Many of the denominations are because of drawing boundaries around others and around yourself and dividing. Look at how much infighting there has been in Christianity between the Protestants and the Catholics in the states, Massachusetts, Rhode Island back then when we first came over, going back to Europe, in Ireland. Look at how much how much strife has happened in Ireland because of Protestants and Catholics. But it's not just Protestants and Catholics either. Protestants, like I said, have persecuted and killed Anabaptists. We've been doing this shit forever. And so it's funny, it's ironic that the church is so concerned 
about backslidden Christians or apostates or reprobates who want to have nothing to do with the faith. And that's a sign that we're hellbound. That's a sign that we've missed the, missed the boat. We've missed the mark. And it's like, really? Really? I don't know. I don't know about that. I think, I think God would be way more concerned with his so-called church killing each other and killing others, killing in the name of Jesus. Like, I, I don't think you get more ironic than killing in the name of Jesus. I don't think you get any more ironic than putting a cross on your shield and going on fucking crusades and killing folks. Even if you want to call it an, a, a counter-crusade or an anti-crusade, like some people kind of justify and write off, oh, we're just protecting ourselves. No. I, I, I don't think you read Jesus and, and, and do what we did after Constantine. I simply don't. Uh, again, going back to Derrida, who's Jesus? Not the Jesus I've read about. Not the Jesus I understand. Not the Jesus Gandhi read about. Not the Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Not the Jesus who died peacefully. Not the Jesus who healed the dude's ear after it got cut off. Not the Jesus who said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I, so which Jesus? I think the Jesus that you project from your own insecurities and own violent nature onto this figure who lived in the first century. So, I, I fuck your creeds. Fuck your creeds and your statements and your confessions of faith. If you want to have them, have them. But the minute you use them as a weapon, the minute you wield them against others who aren't affirming that or who don't affirm it in the right way or who don't interpret the creed in the same way as you or the same way as your crew or the same way as your boo, <laughs> then, 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 then fuck off, man. Fuck off. Honestly. Like, if religion's got to be anything, it's got to be a balm for healing. Not a fucking bomb for destroying. And too often it's been used as a bomb to destroy. It's been used as a grenade. And it's been used as a justification to be a total cunt bag. And, and, to, and to think that it's all in the name of a dude who was as peaceful as he could have been, I believe. It's just so painstakingly awful and this is a part why uh, of why i don't when people ask me matt are you a christian any longer i don't even think about it i don't even think about it i'd rather follow a certain way of being a human than a certain label of what you think it might mean i'd rather follow a way of of peace just being peaceful being at peace with myself with my neighbors with my family as much as possible. <laughs> family could be difficult though, I tell you. <laughs> uh, being at peace with nature. Being at peace with the universe. Something we often forget, and Dylan Neighbor Cruz pointed this out on the Heretic Happy Hour recently. He's big into permaculture. And I dork out on that kind of stuff too. How do we take the command to love your neighbor and apply it into everything we do that impacts the earth what we eat what we grow what products we use 
what we're flushing into our water system. I think we often forget how to be at peace with the world around us, human and non-human alike. If we eat meat, how is the meat raised? Are we going to raise chickens? How are we going to, what are we going to feed them? How are we going to treat them? If we have any land at all, how are we going to take care of it? Are we going to be concerned about the bees? Are we going to try to encourage um, bee populations to thrive? So that's, that's big for me. And frankly, I don't need a creedal statement to do any of this stuff. I don't need a creedal statement to make sure I take care of my neighbors if they need something. I think creedal statements can only get in the way for the most part. They could be helpful for whatever, but not for me. I don't need to sit here and say that I affirm this and I affirm that and I affirm this and I affirm that. This is what it means. And that's just one more tool that that I think gets in the way of just being a fucking human being. Just be a fucking human being. And that's why I think Jesus took on the uh, the moniker Son of Man most often. That was his self-designation. Other people called him Messiah. And yeah, he goes to Peter and says, yeah, you're right. Or when he's arrested, yeah, that's what that's what you say I am. But his favorite self-designation was Son of Man, true human, representative of, human, of humanity, the last Adam, one of us, one who came to serve, not be served. Messiah had too much baggage. Messiah was militant. Messiah was overthrowing Rome with guerrilla warfare. That's why there were so many failed Messiah-type insurrections. And they got put down quick. Because you don't fuck with Rome. You don't fuck with the big boy on, on campus. That's I, Jesus had a different approach. And, and Messiah was, was presupposed to be something that Jesus was like, no. I can't be doing that. That's not the way. It's not going to work. But it's not the way. It's not the way to be a true human being. So I, again, I would just rather follow that way. Call it Buddhism. Call it Jesus. Call it whatever. I like the term bodhisattva as well. That's very much Jesus-like. It's um, kind of putting aside your own enlightenment in the Buddhist faith. Um, putting aside your own enlightenment for the sake of all sentient beings to to be there to aid all human beings reaching enlightenment it's kind of like it's kind of like Jesus' statement if you want to be first you got to be last it's kind of like how paul said he was last you kind of put aside your own ego your own this and that for the sake of others and i think ironically i think that's when you find true enlightenment though I think that's when you find true um, humanness. It's kind of cliche, but as they say, it's better to give than receive. I think we find true joy when we are a giver. And uh, I know the ladies will agree with me. (laughs) I'm such a dirty pervert. Uh, But, I mean, in all seriousness, I think we find true joy uh, when we are serving our fellow human being and putting aside our selfish desires for the desire of of helping of being of being helpful being compassionate being
being empathetic. When we're compassionate, merciful, empathetic, I think we, we have true peace in ourselves and we're the happiest ourselves. We're the most joyous, the most joyful. So that's my soapbox. That's my soapbox for today. I hope it gives even more context to where I'm coming from for a lot of these ideas. And it's a risk. It's a risk to take. It's, it's a risk that I take. Because when I say things like this, I look back on my previous works, my previous books, previous things that I've said, and say that I've changed. I've grown. It's not that I disagree wholeheartedly with All Set Free. It's not that I disagree wholeheartedly with From the Blood of Abel or Heretic or any of my other books. It's just that I've grown and I've learned more and I've had more direct experience, direct knowledge, tacit knowledge, phenomenologically driven to use big, uh, to use big words for all my philosophy friends. I, I've learned things and... I can look back on things that I've said in the past and say, I'm not there any longer, and that's okay. Because I think a true uh, wise person will hold their beliefs about the world loosely, like they're holding like a, a, a baby bird that they found stranded in the forest. You're not going to have a vice grip on it. You're going to hold it loosely. So that when it flies away, you don't go into some existential crisis. And so you're not holding it so tightly that you kill it also. And that's what we do in the Christian faith. We hold on to our beliefs, our worldviews, even our Jesus, and we hold them so tightly that we snap its neck and we kill it. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Certainty is. And when we're so goddamn certain, then we kill life. We kill growth. We kill the ability to learn and to become wise and to become enlightened. So have beliefs, have creeds if that works for you, and hold on to it loosely and say it's still open for interpretation. There's no, sub no such thing as objective language. It has meaning, it has context, driven by our culture, driven by our circumstances, driven by our, our, our tacit knowledge, our phenomenology, our experiences. So I could say one thing, you could say the same thing, and we might mean totally different things. We need to remember that. So with that, what do we have moving forward? Well, it's going to be coming into September. We've got about six weeks until the Bonfire Sessions Autumn comes out. Be on the lookout for that. If you have not listened to the Heretic Happy Hour, and I'm sure you have, but if you're not caught up, catch up on that. Listen to Jamal's last episode. It's a doozy. Listen to Keith and me and Derek and Katie's first episode where we have the four of us because that's a doozy. And, and get caught up. It's a great show. I uh, hope it's entertaining. Hope it's helpful. We're, we're approaching 100 episodes, so that's exciting. And uh, listen to the Bonfire Sessions if you could. If you are a fan of the Bonfire Sessions, just know we are on a hiatus for now uh, because of Mike's health. We will hopefully, not promising anything, we will hopefully come back 
January of 2021. If an asteroid doesn't wipe our asses off the face of the earth, or if, uh, you know, hopefully Mike's treatment goes well and he'll be healthy again and we'll be uh, moving forward with that show. If you could take two minutes to spread the word of this show, as soon as it's on iTunes, go over to iTunes, rate and review, tell your friends, tell anyone who is going through deconstruction or has deconstructed so much so that they have nothing left but rubble. Share on your socials, please. Tell me what you liked about the show. Tell me what you didn't like about the show. I probably won't change anything because uh, fuck you, that's why. I'm just playing. No, I might change something. I might change something. I like I like getting uh, different ideas. We all have blind spots, myself included. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Peace and love. Go in peace. And all that good stuff.